Join us and unwind with a good book. Welcome to Relaxing Reads. Hi, it's Deb in Halifax. Hi, it's Simone in Vancouver. Hey, it's Tanya in Edmonton. Our latest read, Vera Wong's Unsolicited Advice for Murderers, is about a lonely shopkeeper, Vera, who takes it upon herself to solve a murder in the most peculiar way in this captivating mystery by Jesse Q. Sutanto, best-selling author of Dial A for Aunties. When one thinks of an ideal amateur detective, none of Vera Wong's qualities, like tampering with evidence and romantically setting up two of her suspects together, would come to mind. But when the tea shop owner who watches an unhealthy amount of NCIS suddenly finds a dead body in her shop, she believes she's the only one who can solve the case. Nobody spills the tea like this amateur sleuth in this comedic mystery. Well, was it, ladies? (laughs) Everything you hope for a dramedy mystery with a senior sleuth taking the lead. I loved it. I loved Vera. She was <laughs> all yeah. She there were so many points in this book that I was reading it and laughing out loud. Laughing out loud. Because I just think that Vera was was just spot on with so many things. What did you guys think? Yeah, I enjoyed it. Part of the reason I wanted to choose this for our book club was um, I'm a fan of Jesse uh, Q. Sutanto because we had read Dial A for Aunties, and that was like a fun comedy. And when I saw that she was working on this, and it had been acquired by Warner Brothers to become a television show, and Mindy Kaling and Oprah were backing it, I was like, okay, this has got to be a book that's got a bit of interest to it if there's already networks securing the rights to it so you know I didn't know what to expect but it's like when they if you've got that seal of approval from Mindy Kaling and Oprah then it's definitely going to be an enjoyable one and you can totally you know see when you're reading this how it can translate into a series because the lead is just so fascinating and there's not often a lot of leads where you have you know an elderly person leading a book um, not that I've read. And so her and like her, the wisdom she brings, how she keeps her youthfulness, the way she lives her life. It was just it was she was a fascinating character to follow along. And she just is so funny because she says it like it is. And that's the part um, I really enjoyed. Me too. The meddling. I don't know that Vera would be Vera if she didn't meddle in somebody's life. <laughs> yes. absolutely oh my gosh do you guys know avira um was was she somebody that perhaps you Mm. might have in your life do you think i don't have one currently in my life like that but but having grown up on a farm in a very very small community there were definitely what i would say the busy bodies of the community and they they knew about what was happening with every single family in the community and it's just like they just the whispers and we we used to have a post office at the general store so of course that was sort of the hotbed of gossip all you had to do is tell mrs vincent what was going on in in like in an hour (laughs) it was all across the community and it's like we didn't have a town. We're talking just farms at that point, right? So how I guess the focal point, you know, the post office, everybody goes to get their mail and everybody talks and has a coffee and oh yeah. 
Yeah, so I definitely know that type of, of person from growing up. But it is kind of endearing, though. Meddling, but I think Vera's, you know, meddling, but it kind of in an endearing way. And I think there's so many themes about this book. And I think, you know, one of them is, is kind of loneliness and also connection with family. And as you get older, you may lose a spouse, you may lose people. And then if you don't have that purpose and all of that, it it can be a very kind of solitary existence. And I think a lot of that, was sort of, I thought, with with Vera in that nobody was going to the tea shop because nobody didn't know about the world famous (laughs) Vera Wang tea shop. I know. So I I thought (laughs) she was just, you know, she's meddling because she's like, She's lonely. She's lonely. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, that was really sad when she would she still had such a passion for her tea and she wanted to be there and keep it open and her her son didn't really believe in her and there was just no excitement in her life and she was trying to make it exciting. Like she's getting up, she's doing her thing. She's still living her best life and living it uh, as as good as she knows how to in, in her routine and she wants to stay sharp. She wants to stay focused. So I think this a dead body showing up in her tea shop was the best thing that could have happened. Because, you know, when you just need a little bit of excitement, well, that's one way to get it. <laughs> oh, for sure. Oh, my gosh. I can't imagine living in a community without that type of character. I mean, sometimes it might be a bit much, but like you, Tanya, g- growing up, you know, in a farmland community where somebody always knows something and you can, you know, get on the horn and, and ask them and they might have the information you're looking for, um, good or bad, I suppose. But um, mm-hmm. yeah, I think she was really trying her best to still be who she was in, in her own character. And perhaps she, you know, uh, she probably should have bitten her tongue along the way in in a number of incidents. But then I think she found herself again with this particular incident. And I think that spunk that perhaps was was missing came back and she felt that there was a purpose again, even if her shop, mm-hmm. tea shop wasn't doing so well. And perhaps, you know, the relationship that she was lacking with her son, she gained in this new group of, of friends um, in a very odd way. <laughs> well, that was beautiful because she created a family and it was under yes. weird circumstances. But it just yeah. shows you if you give a little, you can receive a little. And from there, it's just, you know, it snowballed into this beautiful thing. You didn't know which way it was going to go. But she had a passion again for her tea. She had a passion for making big meals, but she had nobody to cook for anymore. And she really wanted to people to be fed. She wanted people to experience things. And it's interesting how she pulled all these incredible things from these suspects we were introduced to and helped them like realize what was missing in their life. They all kind of rediscovered what was missing. And it was interesting how the story weaved together in that way. Like that was not something I was expecting from this book at all. Like even when you read the write-up, you think, okay, it's going to be some kind of a cozy murder mystery with this fun character. But the way it all kind of interweaved together was was really well done, I thought. Yeah, absolutely. And I one of the things, and I didn't know either, Simone, sort of how this was going to go. I was thinking, okay, we've got these suspects in the murder. They show up at the tea shop, and, and it's just it's going to be one of them. So you kind of go as a reader 
Like, who did it? Who did it? You get these little tidbits where like, oh, I think it's that person. Oh, I think it's that person. And and I love the way um, the, the way Jesse kind of broke up her book into all the different characters and their own thoughts. So Vera was definitely the, the narrator of it, but I really loved how we got inside all of the characters and all of the suspects, as Vera said. I mean, I just, I loved... You know, there's so many parts about each of those characters that I really loved reading about. And I was kind of thinking, well, she couldn't have done it. Could it? Could she? Or did he do it? And so you're kind of <laughs> left guessing throughout the whole book. And in the meantime, you're like, no, that can't possibly happen. So I loved I loved reading about all of these characters. I, I'm wondering for you guys, like, did you have a favorite character that, that you really kind of related to? I think there was something about Vera herself. Um, that mm-hmm. I connected to. And, and Simone, as you were talking about, um, you know, the family dinner and how interesting it is, you know, over the years, families hope to have everybody sit at the table and gather around and and hear the stories of the day or the week if it's a Sunday dinner and the importance um, and purpose of that. And she brought it all together. When you serve somebody food, when you create food and, and give that gift um, in some form, it creates something quite unique, I think. And and a lot of people like to have that today, but because of busy schedules, they can't. And here it is that she's she's creating this and mm-hmm. um, people are opening up. <laughs> I felt like when she was making those meals and even her thought process in, in creating the right tea, I was like, I could smell what she was cooking, even though I didn't really know what it was. You know, I'm like, oh, my goodness, I can totally smell this. I really want to dive into the book and eat some of this food. And and just her her thoughts on, you know, making the tea. She made this special tea for the police officers. Right. And then they didn't even have any. And she's making I just thought how it's interesting that the author you know, went into such detail about the tea making, about the meals. And I really kind of gravitated towards that. I really wanted to, like I said, dive into the book and actually sip some really yummy tea and and have some of the food that that Vera was so lovingly preparing for everybody. I know. And I'm a coffee drinker, but this book has me wanting tea because, Mm. you know, even she says herself, coffee is just boring. You know, with tea, there's a way to (laughs) concoct different things and you sip it. And yeah, like the the tea for the cops, I think it was meant to help them focus on the investigation. Yes. And, you know, the, the tea she would make for Alex was a little bit different. And then for each of the suspects, it was like what they were lacking or what they needed. And so she had a way about it and it does fascinate you. And and with the food too, it was also like having this tea, having this food that fuels your body. It's truly taking care of yourself because we do live in a busy world where sometimes we're eating out more or not really thinking about what food we need for ourselves or what our body needs. So that was an interesting way to kind of look at it too. And you think, as Deb, you were saying, we're so busy now. Like, I I don't often sit down as much and even have dinners with, with my family because the kids eat at a different time. We eat a little bit later. And so there's something missing because dinner, the, those dinner conversations is where you truly can have the phones down. You can look at each other and really have those important and good conversations. So it's a it's a good way to kind of take what happened in this book and, and, and start thinking about ways to reapply that back into life. And I think yeah. getting that wisdom from an elder is when you start to think about these things because when you're younger, you're in the chaos of just life and work and kids, you sometimes forget about taking those small pauses and those moments. And you realize when you're older, 
what they mean. Yeah, a lot of mindfulness within, you know, eating the food and consuming the the tea um, with Vera and her her new family. <laughs> and also Vera, she is witty. Like <laughs> she mm-hmm. is just her Isn't thoughts. She? You get to know her. She's like, and she's constantly, you know, making comments. About the young people. I, I love this yeah. one thing that I read. She goes, well, this one about young people, but she, you know, she gets up at 4.30 a.m. and goes to bed at 8.30 and she just tells herself, go to sleep. I'm like, I so wish I could tell myself just to go to sleep and it'll happen because it doesn't. So she's like, she says, um, she goes, feels that sleeping in is for toddlers and Europeans. <laughs> I'm like, yeah. I love that. Toddlers and Europeans. And it's just like, you know, she talks about, she thinks that life would be so much simpler if everyone simply said what they were thinking. And I'm like, mm-hmm. yeah, that is so true. Yeah. Cause we kind of beat mm-hmm. around the bush sometimes about what we say. And, and it would be a lot simpler if we just sort of cut to it and went right, you know, said what we wanted, what we wanted to say. Yeah. And her comments. Wise. Yeah, she was very Mm -hmm. wise. And I loved her relationship with two-year-old Emma. I just love that dynamic. But it was, you know, when Emma was like, what's a dead body like? And she's kind of like, how do I explain this? Well, it's like a human body, but dead. (laughs) I was like, well, that's true. And when she was like, she went off in the tent and she started singing, she's like, yeah, Yeah. she's not a very good singer. Or when she was said to Ricky, oh, yeah, you wouldn't have been able to do it. You don't have very strong arm muscles. Like things like that. It was just... The blunt, was, bluntness. Yeah, she was so yeah. candid. Like she, yeah. I love that about her. But I oh. noticed that with my mom. My mom's um, sixty six, and I've noticed through the years she is does not hold back. Sometimes we'll be somewhere and she just says what she wants to, and I'll I'll say, Mom, you can't just say that. Like you know, if we're if we're like, she can just be rude, and sometimes she doesn't think about it. And I'm like, is this what they talked about in this? Like you just think about like as you get older, you don't hold back. Like sometimes. Right. You're so afraid of hurting someone's feelings. But then when you've lived life and you've been through these experiences and they shape you, you just say it. There's no time to wait to say it. You're not like, oh, wait, you know, 20 years to tell this person what I think. You just say it. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I think that's it. Yeah, you've you've got to say it because, yeah, then the the moment is lost. And I think with my mom as well and uh, some of my older relatives who've said a few things, and then if you try to explain or or um, maybe uh, take them down a different route to avoid what <laughs> may have already been said, they just give you that look. And then, you know, mm-hmm. oh, right. Oh, oh, just be quiet. You're you're not the elder here in this situation. Let them be. And and it's OK. Just let that pass. I'm with, I, you know, Simone, I'm with you on, on seniors and, and they just you know, say what they say, what they want. I so want to get to that place. I want to be able to just go, here you go. I just said it. Yes, I did. (laughs) Hopefully it'll be like 20 more years before I get to that point. But I, I love Vera's sort of like, she just says it like, um, you know, one of the characters, I found so many great things, likable things about these characters. And I think one of the ones that I sort of, Oh, I was kind of torn between like Santa. I think that's how I said her name. Sort of this struggling artist. But I really loved how the author talked about um, like her mom was this best-selling author, right? And was really pushing Santa to to be the artist. And and she was like, you might, you know, you have to be thankful that I'm not pushing you to be a doctor or a lawyer or whatever. Like I'm supporting your art. And poor Santa was like she was blocked and she couldn't. 
she couldn't do her painting. And there was that one scene towards the end of the book where, like we've talked about earlier, how, how Vera helps people in this uncanny way of knowing just how to push the right buttons to get these people to sort of unblock themselves. And she does it with all the characters, but with Santa, she gives her that, that three-foot stick and she says, here, go draw in the sand. You know, it doesn't matter. The waves will wash it away. You can just draw, draw, draw to your heart's content. And I just, I love that scene <laughs> of, of, of helping Santa kind of realize her potential. And, of course, we learned in the book why Santa was blocked, but... That's a whole other story. You got to read the book. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it mm-hmm. is interesting mm-hmm. how she was able to, um, you know, dig deep or allow them mm-hmm. to dig deep into whoever, whatever might be happening within themselves. And they felt comfortable enough with this stranger um, who had, you know, some other ideas about why she, you know, initially wanted to gather them around. And, but, but interesting how that type of character. If it's not somebody that you know, and she's so blunt and so like, I don't know, um, uh, harsh, I guess, um, not soft, but that how how mm-hmm. you felt comfortable enough to release and, and open up or be so open with her. And I think, well, mm-hmm. I think it was just her presence. I think they all knew that she was a meddler and she was a bit, a bit out there, but with Ricky and and he was missing kind of that that mother figure and so was Oliver and so I think they saw mm-hmm. that and then with Julia she was at a time when she was lonely and life was overwhelming and she has this toddler and then you just have this mother slash grandmother show up who's cleaning your house taking care of your child I your know. your yeah. home and then same with Sana it's like she's got this mom who kind of puts that pressure on her and Vera's taking the pressure off so it was it was like they. They kind of were like, okay, it's kind of weird that we get texts from this Vera woman and she's <laughs> yeah. telling us what to do, but we kind of need to stay in her good books because she might go to the cops and we might all get in trouble and <laughs> get ratted out. So let's just do what she says. But at the same time, when they all kind of walked away from her and then she got mm. sick and they all went back, yeah. it was that mm. moment where they are realizing that, wow, we've actually built this relationship with her, just how she is. And they all needed each other. And I, it was at that point, Simone, that I, you know, when, when everything kind of blew up and Julia kicked her out of the house and, and then it was like, what, three days before they went to her shop to find her. And, and when they yeah. found her and she was like, just so tiny, this woman who's like so full of life and strutting around, like, just like nobody's business. And then she just sort of like imploded, you know, and I just, it just broke my heart because I'm like, she lost that connection again of feeling useful of being a part of something and she felt that everybody had just sort of pushed her away and oh that was hard but then you know kind of goes around where they are helping her or or they're redoing her tea shop (laughs) and everything for her so it gets it gets better but it's at that point of she just inflated deflated sorry yeah deflated from from lack of life, lack of, you know, being part of something. And I just thought, oh, that's so sad of what happened to her. I know. And that's why they say check in with your elders or, you know, people in your family, because we get caught up in the day to day and sometimes a day passes by or you don't, you know, connect like with me, with my mom, like she'll send me like a little WhatsApp photo and we kind of communicate through pictures. We'll say hi or we'll check in. But, you know, you've you've like sometimes I'm like, you got to pick up the phone and just call, have a conversation. We're not just going to text today. Because when you look at your life, if you're so busy and crazy, there's someone else who is wanting that attention from you and they might be lonely and they might 
be waiting for it, but they don't want to burden you and and be like, oh, I need you. I'm needy for your time and your love. But it really just puts things into perspective because, yeah, she had a moment where she didn't get checked on for three days and thankfully mm-hmm. she was okay. But that's it's a scary thought. Yeah. And and Mm -hmm. when you see somebody or know somebody who is such a powerhouse like her and they're always go, go, go. And whether it was just a few days or a few months or a few years, when you see them in a different light, in a a different shape, a different view, like like they saw her, um, then you do have to take a step back and think, oh, wow. I mean, she put so much into caring for us and all we had to do was, you know, drop by or pick up a phone. And, um, yeah, things things can change quite mm-hmm. quickly. I know. You know, I think about, like, my dad, because my mom has passed now for, like, 10 years, 11 years. So crazy. Um, and, you know, dad's on the farm. And I know he has a full life. You know, he's taken up fiddling. <laughs> he's doing Aww. all this stuff. He's a very busy, busy guy. But I know, you know, when I go home to visit and I walk into the house, it's like silence. I don't know. And I have to remind myself that with my busy life and all that, that I do need to stop And I need to pick up the phone like every week and just check in on him and just, you know, just for the conversation. I think that's what he misses the most is like sitting down at the table with his coffee and having a conversation because that's what him and mom used to do. And I think that's one of the big things that he that he doesn't have. He can go out to get conversation, but it's those quiet moments at home. And I think that's something that, you know, for myself, I have to remember those quiet moments and reach out to him so that he knows that he I'm going to get emotional it's so that he knows that he means something, mm-hmm. that he's not just sitting mm-hmm. there on the farm and his kids are all, you know, everybody's all gone living their lives. And mm-hmm. it's just important to make sure that that he knows that he makes a difference yeah. and continues to make yeah. a difference. And I get busy yeah. and sometimes I go like two weeks and then I get anxiety about phoning my dad because oh, no. I'm like, oh, geez, Tanya, like, the, yeah. gosh, just pick up the damn phone, you know. But I guess maybe this book is going to, you know, kind of tells you to not be so busy and just take the time. Yeah, because on their end, yeah, they're like, so. how busy can you be to pick up a phone and talk for 30 seconds? And you just, mm-hmm. you know, really, you've got that mm-hmm. little bit of time in your day. But we do. Sometimes we don't prioritize it. But again, books like this are always a great reminder. Um, and just you kind of do a little check in with yourself. Did mm-hmm. you guys think the suspect was who you thought it was going to be? Because <laughs> that, that. Yes. You did? <laughs> you figured oh, it I out. I figured, I figured <gasps> it out. But what I didn't know what I didn't know was that it was Alex, the friend that she gave tea to who had his wife was sick. Right. And you find mm-hmm. out all about this at the end. I didn't put two and I didn't figure out that they that Oliver Marshall's dad. I knew it was their dad, but I didn't know that their dad was Alex. Oh, right. that was the twist. Yeah. So how that did was the you, twist for me? How did you come mm-hmm. to that though? How did you know it was? Their I don't dad? know. I have because they, she kept saying there was like a one point when they were on the beach and they saw a figure looking at Emma. Oh, and okay. then there was a point to probably towards the end of the book uh, that I kind of went, hmm, I wonder, I wonder, I wonder if it's their dad. Because you you hear about the dad and then they go to Oliver tries to go see his dad and he's like, yeah. go away. Yeah, and, yeah. Yeah. I thought that there was a reason why the author had the dad in the background. 
Oh, interesting. <laughs> so that sort of made oh, me think that good. oh, there might be some, there's a reason why she introduced him. Tanya is good. Mm-hmm. I remember when she joined yeah. this book club, she said she was good at figuring this kind of stuff out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not so good. Me I had either. all kinds of thoughts. I mean, when they did go to the door and he didn't want to see them, I thought, well, that's mm-hmm. bizarre. Um, but I didn't get, I didn't put two and two together until it was almost. Yeah. Oh, yeah. There it is. Okay. <laughs> I got it now. <laughs> but the but, thing um, about. The, yeah. But the thing about um, Alex, I'm like, what? Yeah. Yeah. So she weaved it all back together. She weaved these kind of these two characters that were sort of outside the story, Alex and Marshall and Oliver's dad, and she put them together. I'm like, I love that. So do you that think was surprising. Yeah. now that we know Alex doesn't have a wife, is there a shot for him and Vera mm-hmm. to be a part yeah. of this big family? <laughs> I wonder. Find love again and have this oh little happy gosh. family. <laughs> I think there we need to ask the author a that. <laughs> That's yeah. a good idea. <gasps> right? Yeah. This is a great little book. This is a great, you know, it, it had me entertained. And I, again, I loved how we got into the each character's heads. And mm-hmm. yeah, and it just flowed. Just like one chapter to the next, to the next, to the next. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and I great think book. it was, like I think there are probably a lot of little messages, but I think it's, uh, you know, again, pause, take a moment, breathe and enjoy the simple things mm-hmm. in life. But but also give everybody a chance, no matter their character, you know, because they, they all had their own quirkiness. Vera, I think mm-hmm. the most. <laughs> but it's interesting once everything, you know, unravels and we learn a little bit more about why they are who they are at the present time and and how things kind of came to be. I Yeah, I think she did a a bang up job. Yeah. And it's always yeah. like, we're all human. We make mistakes, but there's always room for redemption. So, mm-hmm. yeah. And I think that our readers will find in this book, like, you know, they're going to love um, just the quips that, that, that Vera just out of nowhere just goes, blah, here we go. You know, she just says what she thinks. And, 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 and I think one of the things that I really, there's so many, I wrote down a bunch of stuff that I just loved, but I love this one because Often we think that destiny is sort of like, okay, it just sort of sits there and we eventually figure it out. But Vera thinks that destiny is something to be hunted down and grabbed tightly with both hands and shaken until it gives you exactly what you want. I'm like, and what, hallelujah yeah. there, Vera. I love that. Yeah. <laughs> and what I want, Let's not I wait want for destiny. To... <laughs> no, I want us all to discuss even more with Vera in her tea house. Yes. Yes. Oh, this, I would love to be there. I would love if there mm-hmm. was a shop like that, if it actually exists. I'd like to be in. I'd like to be in San Francisco. I mean, having been, well, I'm sure you guys too. have been yeah. to San Fran. It's like so many streets that they were talking about in the areas. I'm like, oh my gosh, it's been so long since I've been to San Francisco. I need to go, and I need to go to Vera's shop if it exists, <laughs> or find the French bakery that isn't a French bakery. I know. <laughs> I love- she was all, yeah, always ripping that bakery apart. But it was Winifred who came to check in and, You're and right. see yes, what was, was going on yeah. because again, that sense of community. You know, mm-hmm. even if. You're arch nemesis is operating next door you kind of still have this hey wait a minute we're still in this little community together is everything okay so that was that was kind of nice and yeah it looks like uh vera wang's world famous tea house is uh open for business (laughs) here we go (laughs) 
This is the perfect time to speak with the author of Vera Wong's Unsolicited Advice for Murderers, Jessie Q. Sutanto, who joins us now on the podcast, chatting with her all the way from Indonesia. Hello, Jessie. How are you? Uh, I'm good. I was, you know, I, I just got my kids out the door. I was like, hmm, maybe I should go back to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, I'm I'm good. I was recently just a few weeks ago in Bali and I was in the oh. airport and it was so nice to see so many of your books on display. Oh, really? Oh my god, that makes me so happy to hear. Yeah, cuz the last time we chatted with you, we had read a Dial A for Aunties. Mm. We love that book. And so you were kind of on the path of creating another Aunties book. There was Four Aunties in a Wedding, and then the next mm. one was going to be Aunties, the third installment, but then Vera came along. So tell us a little bit about how that came to be. So I just had like kind of like the nuggets of an idea. Um, I wrote like the, you know, the back cover blurb as a pitch. And um, yeah, I sent it to my agent. I was like, oh, when do you think I can write this? Because like you said, you know, I was supposed to be writing like aunties three and four. And she was like, "Mm, I don't know. Yeah, maybe sometime next year you could write it. But let's see what uh, your editor says. So she sent it to my editor. And then before I knew it, they were like, let's push Auntie 3 back. And let's come out with Vera Wong first because we're so excited about it. So um, that was kind of how it all got started. Now, when it comes to Vera, what a character. Was there somebody you had in mind Mm -hmm. when writing about her? Well, I always say she's like 80% my mom and 20% my dad. So, like, all of the things that she says, you know, I don't even have to make them up because that's what my parents say. (laughs) Uh, You know, all of, like, the very random, uh, like, oh, you know, if you uh, sleep after, like, 9 p.m., you know, you'll you'll have liver problems or, I don't know, just very, very random things. Um, So... I I always just think like in every scene, I'm like, oh, what would my mom do? Or what would my dad do? And then um, sometimes I I, I knock it up a notch, you know, I'm like, okay, let's make it more dramatic. But they're mostly based on (laughs) my parents. That's funny. And with Vera, she had such a great knowledge of pop culture. Many parents and grandparents are trying to keep up with the young generation. Why did you feel like that was important to write about as well? I know there was that line that she was squinting her eyes like Shayna from Love is Blind. And I love that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. So that, was, that one was just a joke. It's like, I'm so obsessed with Love is Blind. <laughs> um, and I kept expecting someone uh, like my agent or my editor or the other editors to be like, hey, why is this in here? <laughs> but no one did. So then that, that line remained. And then I saw it on the Love is Blind Reddit. And I was like, yes, I've made it now into the Hall of Fame. <laughs> <laughs> so that was just me having fun. Um, but I, I do think it's funny because like my parents, they downloaded TikTok before I did. And then they were like telling me, you know, like, get on TikTok. There's like so much good stuff out there. By good stuff, they really mean like um, faux medicinal uh, 
advice, you know, that they then like pass on to us. Like, oh my God, like when COVID happened, they were like, drink boiling water. And I was like, how do you drink boiling water? And I don't know, but we saw it on the TikTok. <laughs> so, uh, so I just felt like Vera had to, had to, you know, be very tech savvy like they are. Yeah. And that was the other part about this, just all the descriptions around the tea. So do you have a vast knowledge of all different kinds of tea or how does that come to be? Because it made you want to have a cup of tea with Vera every time she boiled a pot. (laughs) So my maternal grandfather, he was very traditional Chinese. He was very adamant that um, his granddaughter's should know how to like properly brew Chinese tea so that we could serve our husband. I, I've never like made tea for my husband and, you know, poured it for him. I think if I did, he would freak out and he would be like, is this poisoned? Um, but I did grow up like learning all of that stuff about tea. So yeah, I was very happy that I could finally, you know, show off my my very useful life skill about making tea. We were discussing earlier during our chat, uh, Tanya and Deb couldn't be a part of the interview, but uh, just how interesting the story was, you know, you have this elderly woman who has this strict regimen and she's up at the crack of dawn, she's making her tea and then she meddles in this murder mystery, has this list of suspects, she becomes (laughs) friends with them and, you know, they learn a little bit something from her. But then there's the twist, you really don't know who the murderer is till the end. But the story kind of all just weaves together. So what did you kind of have in mind when, when writing about that and giving the characters like their own thought process that we could learn from them as opposed to Vera just sharing the story. So I knew that I wanted to have four or five suspects and and I knew that I wanted it to be like a multi point of view story, uh, mostly because I was like, oh my God, I can't imagine a whole book written from Vera's point of view. (laughs) I, I feel like it would be so exhausting. And I was like, okay, so then I have to give each one a motive. It was, it broke my brain writing this because up until then, I had never written a mystery before. Like uh, Dal A for aunties, I know sometimes it's shelved under mystery, but it's really not a mystery because you know who did it. And I had never done anything which was like, oh my gosh, who did it? You know, so it was so complicated. And while I was writing it, I kept wailing, like, how stupid idea was it to write this book? (laughs) And uh, so it was quite the adventure, writing all of their points of view. What would you say was your favorite kind of scene or moment in the book? Um, So I would say my favorite moment uh, was uh, the end of uh, Sana's character arc. When she, um, you know, picked up the paintbrush and she started drawing again, I actually got like really emotional and like teary eyed because I just see so much of myself in her, um, but not with art, but like with writing, you know, with like getting blocked or or just feeling like you're unable to write or whatever. And so when she finally overcomes it, then I was like, oh, God, yes. 
Good job, Sana. Oh, yeah, that was pretty incredible. And I also loved the moments between Vera and Emma. I thought it was so sweet. She was just mm-hmm. so funny with her. And, you know, there's that line where she's like, what does a dead body look like? And she was kind of like, it's a human body, but dead. <laughs> like It was just kind of, <laughs> you know, like funny and how she would make comments about how she shouldn't sing or how Ricky wouldn't have been able to do it because of his muscles. So it was really entertaining to read. Now, Warner Brothers TV has acquired the book rights to this novel. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Oh, my gosh. So it was a ridiculous and crazy process because it was already on auction. Uh, Different studios were already bidding. And so I thought, okay, well, so these are all the bidders. But then all of a sudden, my film agent was like, by the way, we are, I think we need to pause the auction because Oprah and Mindy Kaling read it and love it and they want to come in with an offer as well and i was like what and i remember it because uh it came in at around like six in the morning my time and uh i was making lunch for my kids and i can tell you now that like that was the worst lunch i had sent (laughs) (laughs) sent them to school with i think i it was like I threw in like bread and then uh, noodles or something like that. Uh, they came home and they were like, Mama, um, how come you gave us, you know, this and this and this for lunch? It really was not good. You were like, Mom <laughs> has other things to deal with. That is huge news. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I was, I kind of like, shouted a little when I saw the email and then my kids were like, what is it? What is it? And I was like, you, you know, you, you won't, you won't get it. You won't get it. Um, Cause they're like four and seven. They don't, they don't know who Oprah and Mindy Kaling are. That's so huge. Then, uh, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was insane. And the moment they were out the door, I, I sent my agent an email. I was like, Oh my God, what is happening? Um, so then we set up a call, uh, with their teams. So I didn't actually talk to Oprah or Mindy. Um, and, uh, they, they were just so amazing. They, um, it was all women. Um, they, they just really got the story and, and yeah, I mean, I, I was like, oh my God, this is the most amazing thing that's ever happened to me. I thought nothing could top Netflix, but, you know, I was wrong. (laughs) Yeah. So what's the update on the Netflix? So Netflix, they have a script. It's finished. I I haven't read it yet, so I'm really nervous. Um, But they say, like, Netflix really likes it. They're still editing it. So I really, I can't wait to read it. Or do I want to read it? I don't actually know. Maybe I don't want to read it. You just want to see it. (laughs) Yeah, be kept in the dark until... Suddenly there's a movie out. So Amazing. And so what do we have to look forward to next? When is uh, Aunties 3 coming out for us? Oh, yeah. So Aunties 3 will come out uh, in spring of next year. I just recently uh, released my first um, adult suspense. Uh, I'm not done with you yet. I think that came out last week. Okay. Um, yeah. And so I'm very excited about him. I'm like, I I keep reading the reviews for it and it brings me so much joy whenever uh, I see someone is like, 
guys, this is not like the aunties or Vera. This is not a feel good book. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, but yeah, I'm really enjoying that. Amazing. Well, we all really enjoyed this one. We're going to have to even go back and read Four Aunties and a Wedding because we never read that one. But uh, we are big fans and, uh, yeah, thoroughly enjoyed this book. And thank you for being a part of our podcast and answering some of our questions. Oh, my gosh. Thank you so much for your patience and thank you for having me. Thanks again. And thank you for listening to the Relaxing Reads podcast until we are back with you Have a great day. Thank you for kicking back and relaxing with us. We hope you'll join us again on Relaxing Reads.